everybody. Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. It's time for episode eight, Home on the Range, an animated Disney movie that I had never seen before and I will never really need to watch again. (laughs) Tuesday's episode went a little long. You don't have to fear that today. This is going to be short and sweet. It's not that it doesn't have any redeeming qualities. It just never felt like a Disney movie. The heart was missing and there was just something about Judy Dench, the dame herself, voicing a cow that didn't sit right with me. But we'll get to all that all of that, I suppose. A quick reminder that if you want to watch along with me, and by watching along, I do mean by joining my summer movie challenge. I'm watching 48 animated Disney movies this summer because I have nothing else to do and there's nothing on network television. But if you want to watch along, there's a printable copy of the challenge list available on my newsletter or in the show notes. Any particular one you think I should discuss in future episodes, you can you know the drill. Just be sure to let me know. Now, I don't really have any stories about farms or cows or bounty hunting. I mean, I did watch a lot of episodes of Dog the Bounty Hunter for a while. I got very into that for some unknown reason. But I was just on the edge of how do I pull this together? Do the people not get a story today when I realized I do have something farm adjacent I can talk about? Goats. I would be happy to talk about goats all day long. Do I know anything about goats? Not really, no. I know that they like to jump and climb on things. They're excellent headbutters, mischievous creatures that are often breaking out of their pens and causing any amount of chaos. They're cute, have adorable little beady eyes, and melt my heart when they're wearing sweaters, and that I love cheese made from their milk. That is really the extent of my goat knowledge, but when I see a goat, I can feel myself physically brighten, if that makes any sense. They bring me joy, a joy I cannot really explain. And while I've never looked at myself in a mirror while looking at a goat, because that would be, that would be super weird. I'm not, I'm not that far gone. There must be something on my face of pure excitement and love because strangers invite me into their spaces without question. An example, I once visited a farm with my parents, just some random house really that sold local goods in central Indiana. We pulled up to the house and I, I mean, it looked like we were just pulling into somebody's driveway, looked wrong, kind of shifty, like we shouldn't be there. And we were the only ones there, but my mother follows them on Facebook and she thought it would be fun to go. So we get out of the car and I immediately dart over to the fence to watch the goats. There's a field of goats right there playing in the yard. And I feel I should note that this was just a couple years ago. I was a grown adult and the very nice farmer watched me for a bit and he talked to us for a long time. And then he just kind of quietly went inside and came back with a full bag of carrots. And he told me that they usually reserved the carrots for small children who come to visit the farm and feed the animals, but that he could tell it would make my day. Exact words he said, I can tell this would make your day. So I fed those precious goats every single carrot in that bag. And yes, yes, it did bring me joy. It did make my day. I mean, I almost got attacked by what he referred to as a bastard of an alpaca, but what's goat feeding without a little adventure? But what also brings me joy is that the people around me now specifically connect me to these things I love, like goats or garden gnomes, because I am just that girl. When they see a goat video on YouTube, they share it with me. They tag me in posts and send me news articles about goats and goat farms. Then it it all of a sudden becomes a shared enthusiasm. It's a special thing loving what you love because you love it. And it's even more special when the people around you share in that joy and that love with you. 
there's a goat in Home on the Range. So there we go. Look, I just sort of pulled this all together. It, it kind of goes together, right? But let's talk about the movie. But first, an overly simplified summary of Disney's animated feature, Home on the Range. An odd gathering of bovine voiced by the likes of Roseanne Barr, Judy Dench, and Jennifer Tilly go on an adventure to find and capture a redheaded goof of an outlaw in the hopes of saving their farm. I was about to completely write this one off. It just, like I said, didn't feel Disney to me, but there was one little redeeming moment that stopped me in my tracks. Did that little moment turn this into love? No, it didn't, but it finally acknowledged my frustration with talking animals in a human-centric world. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I have some feelings about that. Let's jump into the list and we'll, we'll get there. Number one. How do they go about selecting voice actors for movies? We've moved out of the era where they're using the same voices over and over and over again. I mean, I'm going to miss good old Phil Harris. Eventually, I'm going to get through all of his Disney animated movies. But I wonder about that meeting that decided it would be a good idea to put Roseanne Barr and Judy Dench together. Who, who thought of that? Who thought of that pairing and thought, this seems like a good idea? Number two, while the songs aren't super catchy, and will stay with me, they do a great job of setting the tone. Little Patch of Heaven does make farm life in the Wild West look peaceful and quaint. I mean, you could see why the animals would be willing to travel into the unknown to save the farm for Pearl. And I think I just really appreciate the fact that the animals don't sing themselves. It's just background music. So that helps things. Number three, Maggie struts in with quite the swagger when she arrives at Patch of Heaven. Kind of find it hard to believe that she would immediately lead the charge to fight for the farm when she doesn't know anyone there. That seemed interesting to me. Number four, why is Mrs. Calloway wearing a hat? It seems to be by choice, but how did that choice ever happen? How did they find a hat that would fit a cow's head? How did the hat first get on the cow, and then the cow is like, I like this, let's keep doing this. How did that happen? We need a prequel that shows me how this hat got on Miss Calloway's head. Number five, Jeb the goat, that goat we were talking about, is grouchy and just very blunt with his words. I love it. Get that goat another can. Number six. So the cows interrupt a showgirl theatrical um, musical <laughs> dance number. I didn't want to say a showgirl show. That just seemed wrong. And I always find it interesting what they're willing to include, knowing that it probably goes over a kid's head. I also really wish that Common Sense Media didn't require a paid subscription out. I used to love logging on there and seeing that the words they would use in their reviews to highlight these things that they find questionable. It would have been awesome to see the notes for this particular scene. Slightly scandalous clad senior showgirl singing in a tavern with alcohol being served. It has to be hard finding that balance though. You don't want to dumb it down so that it doesn't have the look or feel of the Wild West, or at least the Wild West that we're used to in pop culture. But you also don't want to tip the scale too far the other way and leave a lot of parents in the lurch answering questions they might not be ready to answer. Do the Disney execs ever go, well, we got away with an obviously drunk goose in the Aristocats. Surely we can get away with showgirls. How are those decisions made? Who defines that balance? That'd be a really interesting meeting to sit on. On? In. Sit in. <laughs> Number seven. 
the redeeming scene. Okay. So our bovine friends are out to capture Alameda Slim. He's the outlaw moving across the plains, stealing cattle and buying up all of the land in hopes of getting the bounty for Alameda Slim to give to Pearl to save the farm. How they think the sheriff's going to give them money, the bounty, that's a whole different question. I don't think I included that on the list, but let's just tuck that in there too. While in town, so they go to the town to talk to Buck, the sheriff's horse, to see if he can help them somehow have the bank give them an extension. They have Rico, a legendary gunslinger who rides into town, and he decides to borrow Buck, the sheriff's horse, to go after Alameda Slim as well. And Buck is a horse that thinks he's a ninja, I guess. He does a lot of ninja moves. He does a lot of daydreaming, riding around the range being a hero. He, he thinks he's this legendary horse. He wants to get in on the adventure. And Maggie and company, Maggie being Roseanne Barr, the head bovine, catch up with Rico and Buck at one moment in the chase, and the animals start to chat. And Buck starts showing off and strutting his stuff. And to the cows, it looks like he's, I don't know, doing that imaginary play fighting thing that people do. He's jumping and punching and getting into all the action in his head. And then Rico... The human looks over and he just sees this horse, this creature looking pretty spastic, looking crazy. And he asks some other riders heading back into town to take Buck with them because he comes off as skittish around cows. That's what he looks like to the humans. And I loved that moment. In all of these movies, I have struggled with the animals in a human world. And we finally get to see what humans think of these animals who, in their I don't know, Toy Story-esque moments are not acting like animals, but humans. Well done, Disney. Well done. Thank you for giving me this scene. I do appreciate it. Number eight. How did a jackrabbit get a fitted peg leg? When I saw the jackrabbit, I immediately hit paused. This is um, as Jamie B. Golden in the podcast, a podcast I absolutely love. She calls them distracted radishes when you get distracted watching something. This is one of my distracted radishes. I immediately hit pause and hunted down the Pixar short Bounden on YouTube. It's about a lamb, but it's set on the plains with a very similar vibe. And I've always, I've loved it. So I took time to watch that. And I guess maybe the jackrabbit made me think of the Bounden jackalope. And this just serves as a perfect example of why an hour and 15 minute movie takes me two hours to watch because I just keep getting distracted. Oh, it takes me so long to get through these movies sometimes. Number nine. Hey, I, I didn't know if we were going to get to 10 this time around. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. We're on number nine. Spoiler alert. Got to cut off a little off guard when Rico was a bad guy. Not sure why. Everything about him feels bad, but I let myself think he was just aloof and cool and um, Clint Eastwood-esque, Dirty Harry-esque, even though I, I guess I've never seen the Dirty Harry movies. Is Dirty Harry bad? Oh, I'm not a big Westerns fan. I do like Western books, though. I could give you some fun YA Western recommendations if you're ever looking for those. And number 10, the credits are 10 minutes long. That seems excessive. I don't remember credits lasting that long. Do I mean, I've sat through a lot of credits. If you go to an Avengers movie at the theaters, you sit through credits because you know something special is at the end. But I don't remember sitting there 10 minutes. Oh, that just seemed like a lot. Well, that ended up being a better list than I thought. I still don't think I'll watch it again, but it's checked off my list and I can now co semi-coherently at least talk about it should anyone ask. And I look forward to that particular conversation to see how the topic comes up. What will we be talking about that somebody will be like, so what do you think of Home on the Range? 
What are your thoughts on Buck, the horse who thinks he's a ninja? But that leads us into the part of the conversation about life lessons. And as I was thinking through the potential lessons, I kept going back to the list in number two. The day Maggie arrives at the farm, she learns that this brand new home might also disappear. She has no ties to this place, right? No relationships, nothing that should make her care one way or another, except that she'd be on the move again. She just got there. She might have to pack up, <laughs> pack up nothing, but get back on the the plains, the path, and, and find somewhere else to live. But instead of letting happen what will happen, she decides to work the problem, find a solution. Why? I can't help but think it's because she sees it's important to the other animals on the farm. And then I started to think about our world in general in this last crazy, hard, heartbreaking year and a half. And sometimes the next right thing has nothing to do with us and everything to do with our neighbors. Sometimes we might not really have skin in the game. But the person next to us does. And the kind, human, compassionate thing to do is to join that game alongside them. Sometimes it means wearing a stupid mask just to keep others safe. Sometimes it means becoming an ally to protect the rights of others. Sometimes it means just listening to someone in pain. But you do the thing. You work the problem, as Mark Watney says in The Martian. You figure out how to help. And that's what that ridiculous cow voiced by Rose Ambar does. She steps up and she finds a way. So there we go, a life lesson in Home on the Range. The final wrap-up, favorite scene? I don't have one. I mean, I suppose it would be the Rico watching Buck the Horse act ridiculous scene because it just made me feel so good that someone finally called attention to animals acting weird in the human world. Favorite song? Um, Alameda Slim yodels. I'm all about the yodeling. <laughs> Favorite quote? I've got nothing. I, I, I even went and Googled quotes from home on the range and i just couldn't find one that i was really drawn to and that's okay though i feel pretty good with this final wrap-up but what did you think of home on the range i'd love to hear your thoughts anybody else want to immediately watch fifel goes west no just me a quick rundown of what else i watched tarzan i am just a sucker for phil collins always i love that soundtrack the movie i could you know take or leave but I do really love Phil Collins' songs. That was it, though. That's all I made it through. But hey, I, I ticked another one off the list, so that's pretty good. Anyway, thanks for joining me today. I had hoped to pre-record a few episodes for next week while I'm on vacation, but that didn't work out. And instead of stressing about it, I decided to just give us both a break, dear listener. Give you a chance to catch up on the earlier episodes if you've missed any. Give me a chance to try to relax, which I'm not very good at, but I am learning to do so. I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today. I will see you in a week. Bye.